Hey everybody, um, I'm Joel Pulliam, the host of the 1st and 15th podcast, and first of all, I want to thank you for listening, but um, this is a very special edition, we're calling it 1st and Juneteenth podcast, I know. Um, we're calling it that because we're celebrating Juneteenth um, this Friday, June 19th, and African Americans across the country, we celebrate it every year on June 19th. It's our Independence Day, Emancipation Day. Um, it started in Galveston, Texas. We're going to go through the whole history of slavery. I'm going to try to condense it to like 30 minutes or a little less than 30 minutes. We're, we're going to try to condense it and um, talk about the effects of slavery, um, how the end of slavery came about, and uh, how we can connect it to today. Um, first thing we can talk about is chattel slavery itself. What made chattel... I, I, one thing that annoys me is that I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, there are other people who experienced... Um, slavery you know slavery is through human history and i'm kind of like um the only difference is let's be honest um chattel slavery is unique in the sense that never before usually it was serfdom or uh maybe a form of slavery like servitude like uh i own you but once you fulfill seven ten years i'll let you go no chattel slavery was i own you your kids your grandkids so their children would own your children their grandchildren would own your grandchildren and so on and so forth and so it made it to where black people could not escape captivity and what i'm going to try to do this episode is not say slaves because there were more than that i i'm going to say enslaved people enslaved black people enslaved africans um i'm trying to get that out of my vocabulary by you know calling them just slaves uh, what made the Atlantic slave trade again, this also was unique in the sense of they went to a continent thinking that, well, since they're darker than us, we can take them. They're Africans. We can take them. We can use them. We can capture them, kidnap them and take them somewhere else and make them work for free. Never before. I mean, that, and you know what's funny? You can You can connect this, that mindset to every corner of the earth, darker people are treated worse than everyone else. The darker your skin is, the worse you're treated. And America is no different. The Atlantic slave trade, um, I think when people, people know that slavery was bad, but I think people have a very, um, how do I say, uh, a condensed view of slavery. Like, oh, you know, slavery was, you know, you get whipped. No, slavery was brutality at its worst. Um, we're talking about people who were brought in ships, millions of African enslaved people, sorry if I said slaves before, enslaved people were were thrown overboard. It would take three to five months to get over here. They were thrown overboard. They were made as shark bait. They were uh, chained to other dead Africans, made to sit in their own filth. Um, this right here, I, I want to read a, a, a little passage, a little story of a, a white clergyman who was on a slave ship and just a little description of uh, what he saw, just to give you, you know, a description. Uh, his name was Reverend Robert Walsh, and it was in 1829. Um, he said, the slaves were all enclosed under grated hatchways between decks. The space was so low that they sat between each other's legs and were stowed so close together that there was no possibility of their lying down or at all changing their position by night or day. As they belonged to and were shipped on an account of different individuals, they were all branded like sheep with the owner's marks of different forms. 
But the circumstance which struck us most forcibly was how it was possible for such a number of human beings to exist, packed up and wedged together as tight as they could cram, and low cells three feet high, the greater part of which except that immediately under the grated hatchways was shut out from lighter air, and this is when the thermometer, get this, exposed to the open sky was standing in the shade on our deck at 89 degrees. On the deck of a ship under the shade, 89 degrees. Now imagine the heat that was underneath those decks where those enslaved people had to sit for three to five months in the same position and their waist eating in the same place and chained to dead people. Imagine the pain. Imagine the terror. These were people, they were strangers in a strange land. They didn't know the language. They didn't even know what was happening to them. I just think the brutality of that. I can't get that out of my head. When I read that description, I was I was taken aback. Like, you know it, but in, when someone describes it, people think, oh, it's like a fairy tale. It's far off. No, this is reality. This is reality for millions of black people. This is where we come from. Uh, one thing I heard that bothers me when people say, you know, I'm not my ancestors. We got to stop saying that because our ancestors were as strong as they come. None of us. I know. I, like, can you imagine living that? I couldn't. We, we have to stop saying that because I, I pray I have half the fortitude. I pray I have half the strength, a quarter of the strength that those people had to be enslaved like that and to survive. Survival and being resilient, that is a trait. So don't ever think that they didn't fight. There were slave rebellions, Nat Turner, but fighting... Every day was waking up and making it. Can you imagine that? Having to get up knowing you were owned by another person. That is disrespectful to say I'm not them. No, without them surviving, none of us, none of us black people would be here. And that's just the honest truth. So before we say things like, oh, you know, I'm not my ancestor. Like, nah, miss me with that. Because that's really disrespectful. That's... I, we, I remember in the past, we had a celebrity say, oh, they had a choice. Man, are you kidding me? Can you, do you, if you escaped and you were caught, you had limbs chopped off, dogs chasing you. Your family could have been killed. So I, I won't take any disrespect to our ancestors. I won't because I thank God they had the strength to make it because if they didn't, I wouldn't be here. You know, and, and without their strength, this country wouldn't be the democracy it is today. And it shouldn't have taken that. But our ancestors, I, I, won't, I won't take any disrespect. I'm sorry. I just can't. Um, when we talk about uh, the Atlantic slave trade, also another thing. I think uh, people probably don't know. 1808, the Atlantic slave trade to the United States in terms of... Um, bringing them over from Africa to the United States was banned. Now, that didn't mean that domestic slavery, all the slaves that were already in the United States, they were they could still be sold, they could be sold to different plantations, they could be murdered, all those things, the same rules applied, it's just new ones illegally. I don't think they enforced it because you still had people coming to Louisiana and Alabama well into the 19th century, the 1800s. So, uh, that really wasn't enforced, but yes, in 1808, the Atlantic slave trade being those slaves, those enslaved people being brought to the United States was banned. 
Um, when we talk about uh, fighting, we we also have to remember um, there were plenty of people who fought. Uh, plenty of people who escaped. I, I mentioned Nat Turner. Uh, Penny, th- th- there were slave rebellions. There were people who were abolitionists. Once they broke free of slavery, they went back to deliver other enslaved Africans. Now, that takes guts to me. Um, I, one, thing, one person that stands out, Fred, Frederick Douglass. Um, I think we all know him, but I, I, maybe people don't know the details of his life. He was born around 1818, and as with other enslaved Africans, we don't know exactly when he was born. But he was separated from his mom at six years old. Think about that. Six years old. I'm 29, and if I'm not near my mom, I have to text her or, or call her every single day. I have to say something to her every single day. Got to make contact. Um, so at six years old, imagine being sold to another plantation, and you got to work. You don't see your mom again. You don't see your family again. You know, and and, and thing about Frederick Douglass, and while we're still on that point about the brutality of slavery. I'm going to get back to Frederick Douglass, but um, people have to understand slavery was deeper than, than the surface level they teach you in school. Um, my mom told me, she was like, you better be glad you guys have Twitter today. We, we, can, we can have photos. We can have videos. We can share. We can connect so we can create a Black Lives Matter movement. movement. But back then, they were intentionally sold you could be sold to Alexandria, your mom to Richmond, your dad to Baltimore, and so you were all separated. So, because they knew unified, they could no one could stop us unified. So they would split us apart. So imagine how difficult it would be. You know what I'm saying? You like Harriet Tubman? That's to me. That's still, you know, I know it's become a part of. You know, we all know it, but that's crazy. The guts that it took. To, to, to not only escape slavery, but, oh, I'm going to go back and deliver these people when I know that they're trying to kill me. That's amazing to me. That Put her on the $20. Trump, stop playing. You know what? Better yet, when Biden gets in, we'll, 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 the Treasury Department, we need to change the $20 bill from Andrew Jackson, who maybe we'll get to him on an episode of The Presidents, which I love to talk about presidents. Um, he needs to be off the $20 bill. But back to what we were talking about, the brutality of slavery. Um, it's, it's hard to, to even process uh, raping, murdering, uh, the separation of children from their parents. People were branded. People had limbs cut off. Women, men were operated on without anesthesia. That's, that's the brutality and I'm, and I'm probably underselling how brutal it was when you read further into it. Um, I, I remember a story I read. It was, around, it was in the same place where I read about the, uh, the white pastor on the slave ship, um, the white preacher. Um, there is this firsthand account. She said she saw um, an enslaved uh, woman said, you know, when she was younger, she saw a, uh, an enslaved woman who was 18 years old, around 18. And she was, I guess getting a break from working or whatever. And the master, you know, saw her and he was like, well, you're not doing your work. You know, we won't be able to meet whatever the quota. And, and you know, she was begging, pleading. And, and I won't go into detail because it's that brutal. I really don't like to think about it. 
but the the whipping until till the master was tired. That is hard to fathom that a human could be so evil and so hurtful to another human being. And so you have to excuse us if we don't look at those founding fathers in the same light as everybody else. I'm sorry. You cannot both be a liberator and own other people. It doesn't work like that. That is contradictory. Um, and, and, and think about it is they, they might have had a good ideal at the beginning, you know, what they wanted. They, that, that didn't include Africans. But um, I made this statement a while back. I said that America was never great. And it could be controversial to some people, but think about it this way. Greatness to me is a state of being. It is not I'm great one day and then bad the next. Think of LeBron. That's not saying you don't have off days, but he's consistently great. That's what makes him great. You cannot be a great country. We've had great leaders. We've had great moments. But when a whole segment of population is shunned and given the worst of everything, when you take land from other people, you cannot be great. I I believe in the future we can be that great democracy. We can be that perfect union that we strive for. But in the past and right now, we have not met that. And we can't fool ourselves into thinking that or we'll never reach that place. In order to reach that dream, you have to wake up to reality of what it is and what it's been. And uh, and I, I remember Michelle Obama. You remember when she said, oh, you know, it's the first time I'd ever been proud of my country. There, People were, oh, this is terrible. I was like, yeah, you know. I, I, I agree. I was like 17, around, around 17 then. I was like, uh... I agree with her. I I 100% agree. Can you imagine? If you're black, it's not much, you know, not much there for you to be like, yeah, America was great to us. No. Uh, But we can be. We just have to face reality of what we are right now. Uh, I think one thing we think about slavery, we heard white blessing. I'm going to address that. Um, And I know it's supposed to be a political podcast. It, nothing can be a blessing when it's stolen from people. So we've nipped that in the bud. Slavery was never benevolent. It was never good. There's nothing good about it. Oh, well, he, fed his sla- he let his slaves go. Oh, after they lived their whole lives not being free, I'm going to let you go. There's no benevolence in that. So I, w- I won't ever hear an argument about that. Um, one thing where we can connect it to today is that when you study American history during the the 19th century, the lack of being able to take a stand in a position led to the Civil War. The leaders such as Buchanan and Pierce, um, those presidents, they were kicking the can down the road, got us to the Civil War. You can even see it today. Uh, When we... Government, when you're ineffective, has led to where we are now. When you kick the can down the road, it can lead to violence. And I think the thing that, that um, the contradiction in America is that this country was built, it was supposed to be the first true democracy. This is before the French Revolution. This was supposed to be the first democracy in the world. And the thing was, you, there was no monarchy, there was no dictatorship. You could have ended slavery non-violently by just voting. But you did not take that way, so that led to violence in the Civil War. And I see it today. 
people don't like all oh, the, 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 the writing. King said writing is the voice of the unheard. What you cannot do is when there are more peaceful ways to handle a situation, not handle it. Because it's going to come to a boiling point, and that's what it has now. And the lessons we need to learn from back then is you must take a stand, and you must make a decision to do what is morally right. Because one way or another, you are, you are going to have to face that. One way or another. And I think that's a lesson we can learn today from the past. Um, just to give you a little bit more about... I know I went past Frederick Douglass. I'm going to get back on Frederick Douglass. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh... Frederick Douglass learned how to read from his sister-in-law, um, and once being the leader that he was, he was like, I'm, I'm going to teach other enslaved people how to read, and um, that got him regular whoopings, like terrible, brutal whoopings, and and he was sold from, from plantation to plantation, and then finally, in 1838, he, you know, he left, uh, landed in New York, actually met a man named William Lloyd Garrison, please, you know, look him up, um, and he was encouraged to join the abolitionist movement, and, and, and Frederick Douglass, of course, is not the only one, we have to give um, honor, you know, I'm thinking of the women, the Sojourner Truths, the Harriet Tubmans, um, think of Sojourner Truths, she fought for both women's and black rights, because, and think about this, in the, in, in the women's movement, she was not even welcomed, they never even gave her her proper honor or due. Um, I think of think of the strength that it took the Sojourner Truths, the Harriet Tubmans, to stand there um, when you've you're no longer a slave, and there's still fugitive slave acts. You know that they can bring you back if they catch you, they're going to kill you. The strength to not only not be a slave, to I mean the strength, the courage. Let me put it like that. That it took to escape. That's that's scary in itself, and then to fight to free man you could have just went and like i'm going up north and i'm no no they went they went to fight to free other people and and i can't imagine the courage i really can't and and i think there are lessons we can always learn all americans can learn lessons from that um when we talk about the end of slavery as time goes on, the abolitionist movement, it grows in the North, right? The sentiment grows in the North, and in the South, they're like, oh, buddy. And, and, and the middle of, of the century is where you start to get the real conflict. Um, we can start with the Missouri Compromise, okay? Missouri was admitted to the Union, right? And Maine, and it was admitted as a slave state, and Maine was admitted as a free state. And so what the Missouri Compromise said was that all western territories that were north of the southern border of Missouri, those were going to be free soil, okay? Uh, so this is based off of, like, directional, like, on a map. But the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which is in 1854, what that said was that, okay, all settlers of a territory, they get to decide whether slavery would be legal. Now, uh, imagine this. How many black people then were in Kansas or Nebraska to make that vote. Not many. So you know how that vote, you knew how that vote was going to go. And what it did was it, it, it caused conflict. Um, you, you have bleeding Kansas. Read on John Brown. Uh, all those, he was a famous abolitionist. All those things, the conflict, the violence, it leads, it only like, ex, I mean, it, it only escalates. Sorry, I kind of slipped up there. It, it, it speeds up the process of, of uh, the end of slavery because 
the real like straw that broke the camel's back was the election of 1860. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he was up on the ballot. In the South, I actually think only Virginia had him on the actual ballot. So majority of South, he didn't get any popular votes, not electoral votes. I'm talking actual votes from a person. And so you can see the South is already like, you elect him. We're going to have, you know, we're going to, we're going to leave. South Carolina secedes from the Union and, and the rest is history. And what we have is the, you know, the Confederacy, uh, led by Jefferson Davis. Um, the Civil War happened soon after that. And, um, again, the Confederacy, they lost. They, they need to get over it. You see these statues out, get over it. They lost badly. Because of incompetence. It's funny we celebrate those generals. They were incompetent. Their game plan was awful. And it led to a shortage of supplies and people by the end of this war. And um, we're going to get to, we get to the Emancipation Proclamation, right? And I think most people, uh, Americans will be like, well, that is when, you know, slaves are free. And that technically is not true. Because the Emancipation Proclamation... Um, what it said was that by January 1st, 1863, all slaves were free. But the thing was that only slaves in Confederate states, only enslaved people, I'm so sorry, in Confederate states were free. And the thing about that is that didn't include border states or Confederate states that were already uh, captured by the Union. So the border states, the slaves, I mean, the enslaved people weren't free. And uh, those Confederate states that were owned, uh, that were held by the Union, they weren't free. And before the Union got to the Confederate states that didn't have any Union troops, those enslaved people definitely were not free. So there were hardly any enslaved Africans that were freed on January 1st, 1863. But I will say that symbolically, it was big because you had never had a president say, Oh, slavery is wrong and we need to end it. That that seemed crazy back then. And so symbolically, it means a lot. But also when it comes to the war, Britain and France, people forget this, the Confederacy had asked them to help. And what stopped that was that the Union, once the, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, they were like, well, you know, Britain had already outlawed slavery. So they kind of shied away from giving them any supplies or any troops or anything like that. And so it only helped the Union's cause. And also 200,000 uh, black people fought for the Union. That helped. And so we get to uh, January 1865. This thing is wrapping up. And uh, Congress, they passed the uh, 13th Amendment, which outlawed slavery. And it was ratified that December. Now, when we get to uh, Emancipation Day... This is June 19th, 1865 in Galveston, Texas. And so they deliver the, the, the notice that, okay, those slaves are, those enslaved Africans are free now. Uh, and so that is why we celebrate that as Emancipation Day. And some people might, July the 4th, I, I can't consider that Independence Day when everyone wasn't free. And so the, the, the funny thing about it is that, yes, there were plenty of enslaved Africans that were now African Americans. Um, uh, they were free, but A, they met violence. Um, I mean, were hung, brutalized, lynched. 
but also there were there were some slave uh, there were some slave masters who thought, okay, well, until the Union troops get here, I'm going to keep them. So there were some who still past that point were slaves or enslaved, and and you know, but soon after that it ended. But it turned into, uh, you know, you have Jim Crow, you know, servitude. It, it's a sharecropping. So it, it, it the oppression didn't stop, just the the way of it. So slavery ended, but we're going to get into future episodes about how the backlash to that was brutal. It is one of the most violent times after Reconstruction, after those 10 so odd years where people, people don't know, a lot of people, there were black senators and congressmen, you know, we really were stepping up, um, but then we get to um, the deal where Garfield became president and um, the radical Republicans, you know, they kind of like, okay, we're done. And the troops are removed from the South and, you know, all heck broke loose. I, I'm just going to be, you know, there was violence, um, terror, terrorists, the Klan, all those things. Um, but in a different episode, we'll talk about that. But um, I want to end it with, as a Christian, I, I can kind of find, I find the similarities between Juneteenth and the Passover, okay? Uh, it is the Passover when they're free from Egypt, Israelites. And so when you think of it, um, the Jewish people celebrate the Passover, think of the 400 years, and then think of the 400 years now from 1619 to 2019. And I'm just, it's just very interesting. That's it's symbolic. Um, one of the things, you know, the things we do for Juneteenth, for those who don't know, you know, we have like red velvet cake, we have um, like red pop, you know, in the north we call it pop soda down south. I'm in the south now, so it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, been in the south past 20 years. Um, you know, barbecue, you know, black-eyed peas, you know, stuff you have at a cookout. Um, but, you know, some people say that the red velvet and all that stuff comes from, like, the blood of um, enslaved Africans. I don't know if that's the case or if it's, like, an African tradition. But if it was, you know, I just wanted to make the statement that um, it's usually been black blood that's had to be shed in order to make this nation the perfect union it was supposed to be. And I just find it funny how um, we as black people have gotten the raw end of the deal. But we have always had to foot the, the bill for democracy in this country. Just think about that. We, all the other civil rights that have come after those movements is because we set that template. And when we think about that, the people who had the most to lose were the people who were out front fighting for rights. And so... When I think about it, I think of the terror my ancestors went through. And I think about the oppression we still go through today. And people will wonder, well, why do you keep bringing up these things? You know why? Because we need to make a point. It's the same reason why Emmett Till's mom showed the picture of his body in Jet Magazine. You have to shock people. I have to give you those details. It should not have taken George Floyd being murdered on tape by cops for us to change what we were doing in this country. And it is a shame. And it is an indictment on this country that we must do better. They must do better. This country must do better. Because you should never learn a lesson from a life being lost. 
So when we, whatever we do, protesting, marching, voting, think of that. Think of all the sacrifices that were made and all the sacrifices that have to be made to get what we want today. And remember, this democracy is for you to mold. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.